Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of the Potter's House in Virginia Beach. church with a worldwide vision for winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. We're a Pentecostal church affiliated with the Christian Fellowship Ministries. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. Praise God. Well, normally I'm called Bishop since I'm from Utah. Feels good in the house tonight. I can feel the spirit of revival here. You just had that feel last night. You know what I mean? And tonight you can feel that same Holy Ghost moving in this place tonight. There's an environment of faith. There's an atmosphere of faith tonight. And how many know if you get the environment right outside, it will rain? You get the environment right on the inside of this building, and it's going to rain in here too. And I feel it raining in here, don't you? I feel, I feel an explosion is about to take place fellowship-wide, worldwide. And I thank God every day. I, I thank Him that He saved me, most of all. How many can still remember when it happened to you? I couldn't explain it. I came home. I still remember the night. My brother's up waiting for me. He had been in a, uh, involved in some kind of a sports activity. I came home that night. And the moment he looked at me, he said, you're on something, aren't you? He said, you're on pills, aren't you? I said, yes, sir, gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Hallelujah. Never forget the day I came home and mom's running the vacuum cleaner, weeping. I said, mom, what's wrong? She said, I got it. And I backed away. I said, what did you get? She said, I'm running this vacuum cleaner this afternoon, and I asked God to fill me with the Holy Ghost, and I just got filled with the Holy Ghost, and I've been speaking with other tongues, and she pointed her bony finger in my face only like she could. She said, you need it too, and the hair stood up on the back of my head. I, for, I felt more power in that living room than I'd felt in church. I was raised up in the mausoleum of religion. It was so cold in the place. You could skate down the center aisle, shake hands with a polar bear behind the pulpit. But deacons were so backslid, they sound like billy goats when they said, amen. Songbird would sing her song on Sunday morning. Preacherette would preach his sermonette about the Vietnam War and the social ills of the day, but it never changed me until one day I met Jesus, and I've never been the same since. In the month of October 1970, God saved my soul. I thank God every day that he saved me, but I thank God every day that he brought me into this Pentecostal way. I'm not ashamed to tell you tonight that I'm a tongue-talking evangelist. I believe in old-fashioned Holy Ghost revival where God changes you from the inside out. 
where people take knowledge of you that you have been with Jesus Christ. That's the kind of revival we need in our generation. We need God tonight. We desperately need revival. And I want to preach tonight on the subject of revival from 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and one verse, verse number 14, very familiar portion of Scripture on the inhibitors tonight of revival. Inhibitors of revival, 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14. We tonight are the people of prophecy. Can I tell you this evening, there is not one prophecy left to be fulfilled that the rapture couldn't happen tonight? Say, I'm not looking for an oversized computer in Belgium. I'm not looking for the beast. I don't care tonight whether the Antichrist is Henry Kissinger or a resurrected Ronald Reagan because I'm not looking for the Antichrist. I'm not looking for 666. I'm not looking for some red heifer. I'm not looking for some number system, some, some kind of a new technology tonight. I'm looking for Jesus to come back. Other things are going to come to pass. We understand there's coming a one-world money system, a one-world ruler. We understand there's coming a one-world religion. It's all coming together tonight. Liberal Protestants and Roman Catholics joining together in an unholy alliance to form a one-world religion. But I'm not looking for those things. I'm looking for Jesus to come back. We are the people tonight of prophecy. Did I tell you that one of the most prominent signs of the last days is the increase of evil? The insanity that's in this world. But once the Holy Spirit has been taken away, that restraining force called the Holy Ghost in the church, they haven't seen anything yet. Evil is on the increase. The Bible said it's going to be like the days of Noah in the last days. The Bible said their, their thoughts were evil continuously. It grieved God that he even created man. And the Bible says in Genesis chapter 6, verse number 5, my spirit will not always strive with man. How many glad tonight that you're saved? How many tonight expect that any moment we could lose gravity and leave this world? I've had people say to me, preacher, I wish you Christians would leave us alone. I said, we're going to pretty soon. But you're going to wish to God that we were back. You're going to wish to God that we passed out one more revival flyer. You're going to wish to God that we buttonholed you one more time and told you about Jesus Christ. Uh, listen to me. Amen. Jesus is coming back. And the Bible said the one prominent uh, sign is the increase of evil. The second most prominent sign. Uh, amen. Prom the prediction of the Word of God is the second coming of Christ uh, at the revelation. Every eye shall see him. But I want to concentrate tonight on the greatest, most prominent prophecy to affect every one of us in this place tonight in the present time is the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Oh, how we desperately need an old-fashioned outpouring. We need to go back to the upper room. We need to get under the spout where the glory is coming out tonight. We need to get uh, filled with the Holy Ghost in this revival. This is what revivals are all about. I didn't come this week to teach you. You have a pastor that feeds you and teaches. 
One of the finest preachers you'll ever hear preach in the world is your pastor. But I'm here to tell you tonight, I've come to stir up something. Amen. I've come to stir up a controversy. I didn't come this week to rock the boat. I came to turn the flaming thing over. I've come to tell you the devil's a liar and so is his boyfriend. I've come to serve notice on the devil in Chandler, Arizona. It's time for him to pack up, back up and clear out of this city. This city doesn't belong to the devil. It belongs to God. Can you say amen? Well, I feel the Holy Ghost moving all up in here tonight. We're going to have church this week. There's no use coming to the house of God if we don't intend to have church. I've been in dead church services long enough. Listen to me. Leave those Hebrew songs alone. Just sing about the blood. You want to stir up some demons tonight? Amen. Leave Yeshua HaMashiach alone and start singing about the blood again. Are you with me? We've become so sophisticated in this generation that call it gospel music. It's not gospel music at best. It's inspirational, but it's not gospel. Let me tell you what stirs up demons tonight. When you start singing those songs about the blood, oh, this is a generation. They want to sing some love song. It's like making love to the Lord. Makes you want to puke. Whatever happened in the name of Jesus tonight? I mean, oh, devils still tremble at that name. In that name, he said, you're going to cast out devils. You're going to speak with new tongues. In that name, amen, we're going to take dominion. Oh, I feel God in this place tonight. The greatest, most prominent prophecy to affect every one of us is the outpouring tonight of the Holy Ghost. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, you said you forgot your text. Almost did. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin and heal their land. Let's pray tonight and believe God. Father, I thank you tonight for the anointing of the Holy Ghost that we sense in this place, that same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead shall quicken our mortal bodies. Anoint your servant tonight. Hide me behind the cross. Let us see no man save Jesus tonight. Let this night be a night of the miraculous and the supernatural. Lord, let it rain in this house tonight. Lord, pour out the Holy Ghost in this place tonight. We desperately need you tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to consider with you, first of all tonight, what God wants to do. Now, tonight, I'm the newsboy, and I'm putting the newspaper on your front porch. I want to tell you that tonight, I've had a glimpse into His glory, and I know tonight what God wants to do. We have the blueprint tonight in the book of Acts. How many know tonight that the book of Acts is the blueprint tonight for the miraculous and revival? I know tonight what God wants to do. You say, how do you know that? Because I've read the book. Listen to me. What God has done, he's going to do again. In the book of Acts chapter 1 verse 8, 
Jesus said these words, After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, you shall become my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Here is the blueprint. He desires tonight to move in the miraculous. All revivals start the same. It's an outpouring of the Holy Ghost at Pentecost. This prophecy was fulfilled in the book of Acts chapter 2 and verse number 4, 120 believers. 1994, I was in that upper room. Your pastor preached. I'll never forget it that afternoon as he's preaching on the Holy Ghost. I looked up in the window and there was a white pigeon, very symbolic. But I want to tell you there's more than just a dove. Sometimes that dove has a flamethrower. How many know fire has a way of changing the landscape of things? I've never seen anybody in my life ever follow an ice wagon. But they will follow a fire truck. And God wants to pour out the fire tonight. Can you say amen in these last days? And he did that on the day of Pentecost when he filled those 120, including the, the, the mother of Jesus, Mary. Mary had to get saved. That's right. I said Mary had to get saved, and Mary had to get filled with the Holy Ghost, or she would have been lost just like the rest of us. I don't have to talk to his mother to get his attention. I've got a hotline tonight in the name of Jesus. He said, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe. In the name of Jesus tonight, we have a free ticket. We have access before the throne of grace. The Bible says he daily loadeth us with his benefits. He forgives all of our iniquities, heals all of our diseases, crowns our lives with loving kindness and tender mercies, and have access before the throne of grace by the blood of Jesus. In Acts chapter 2, verse 42, you find the next result is a large number of souls saved, both in a mass crusade, and he added to the church daily, such as should be saved, that sustained growth. Are you with me tonight? I've read books recently where people are trying to say the days of mass crusades are over. The devil's a liar tonight. I was reading recently where one evangelist in Africa was preaching to 1.2 million people at one sitting. The days of mass crusades are not over, and the Bible says that when revival breaks out, a large number of souls are going to be saved. And in Acts chapter 2, he added daily to the church such as should be saved. In the very first outreach, 3,000 souls were saved. Listen what the Bible says. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, the breaking of bread and of fellowship. The next thing that God does, he builds a very powerful revival center. The Bible said they were committed and they continued. Can we talk tonight? I'll be frank if you'll be earnest. What's wrong with today's converts when they get up from the altar and say, Now, does this mean I have to come to church now? Kneel back down and get saved. You didn't get saved. No one had to follow up on me. 
We live in a generation where you have to put their name in the church computer, copy of their birth certificate, their mother's maiden name, the size of their underwear, and they still don't make it. You know why? Because they didn't get the goods. That's why. No one had to chase me down. And I want to tell you, the devil sent a follow-up team to my house long before the church got there. It wasn't 48 hours and some friends of mine knocked on the front door with two cases of beer and said, let's go get loaded. And I looked at those cases of beer, took a deep breath and swallowed real hard. And I, I, I screwed up my courage. I said, I can't do that anymore. And when I said that, God rose up on my side and gave me a victory. I thank God this morning I didn't have to put a sticker on the mirror that says, don't get drunk today. I don't want to get drunk anymore. The old things passed away. And behold, all things become brand new. They continued. What a generation we live in when people come to the house of God and within two weeks, if they don't have a new job making 20 bucks an hour, a new girlfriend and a new Harley Davidson, they're ready to backslide. When I got saved, I got saved. I couldn't explain it. I thought John 3.16 was the men's bathroom on the third floor. But I knew I was saved. I called Psalms Psalms and Job Job and Ezekiel Ezekiel, Genesis Generations, Revelations Revolution. I couldn't explain it, but something happened to me. I couldn't wait to get to church. I said, I couldn't wait to get to church. And the harder they preached, the more I liked it. Bring it on. I just want to be right. I pray for days before the evangelist got there. Call me out. I don't care if it's good, bad, or indifferent. I don't care if you want to bless me or spank me. Just call me your son. Had a lady call up this past week, call our church phone on the answering machine. She said, I'm just wondering what you think about the tongues business. Didn't get a chance to call her back, but I'm going to tell her we got it. What a generation. I want the Holy Ghost, but I'm not sure about that tongues business. That's like buying a pair of tennis shoes, having them cut the tongue out before they put it in a box. I want the whole thing. I never worried about some manifestation. Are we afraid we're going to get too emotional in church? We're so afraid in our generation that the wrong spirit's going to move. The right one can't. And I'm sorry tonight, but I'm one of those emotional preachers. Sometimes I cry. Sometimes I weep. Sometimes I get happy in church. We may not all act alike, but we will act, and we will react when the Holy Ghost starts moving. Now I'm preaching in churches. They're holding them up while I pray for them. I told the last church I was in, I said, the next time you hold up a convert, I'm going to push both of you down. (laughs) Since when were we afraid? I don't advocate it. I don't condition people. I don't fabricate it. If nothing's going on in this meeting tonight, I'll close the service, say amen, and go eat. You're not going to force me to fall. Don't condition me. Then when I lay hands on you, 
But if it's happening, leave it alone. Let people enjoy the presence of God. Listen to me. If you don't let them fall down, they're going to start falling on each other, if you know what I mean. I thank God for experiential religion. If it don't make you feel something, listen to me. If you haven't seen nothing, you ain't heard nothing, you ain't felt nothing, more than likely you don't got nothing. I got something on the inside of me tonight. And you're not going to kill my joy. You're not going to rob me of my enjoyment of the presence of God. I'm not advocating we bounce off the walls every service. Amen. I'm not advocating a laughing revival, but some of us tonight could use some laughter. Some of you tonight, if you ever laughed, your face would crack. Were you smiling in church? No, pastor, I'm sorry, man. That was gas. I I know I'm supposed to be sober. Is that sober enough? Oh, sour thing. I know tonight what, what they're calling revival in many places is not real revival at all. Hardly affect a two-block area around the building. But I'm saying this tonight. I'm looking for the real thing. How about you? And the false one doesn't scare me off. Hello? We are suffering from the Vietnam syndrome in America. We're suffering tonight from the false revival syndrome. And just because there's a false one doesn't mean that God doesn't want to send a real one. I've been praying God send a real one to America and give us some real conversions. Give us some real sinners. Hallelujah. Oh, I felt that one. Then comes a very powerful unity. A dimension that's conducive to revival. In that unity, it's very powerful. The Bible said they were in one mind and one accord. There's an atmosphere for faith and the miraculous. And the Bible said they were in covenant. There was a trust bond. Listen, because of this, demons were cast out. Sickness was healed. Believers were filled with the Holy Ghost. They were very liberal with their resources. It was community in action, obedient to the Great Commission. They were loyal to their leaders. They were radical in their devotion, evangelism, and in their prayer. Now, this is what God wants to do in our churches. I've got the blueprint. We have a vision. We have a plan, and we have a strategy. He wants to make impact upon our generation through a powerful, thriving, throbbing, victorious community of believers doing the will of God in our generation. I said, God, whatever you're doing on planet Earth, don't leave me out. I feel God in this place tonight. I feel the Holy Ghost in this place tonight. And God wants to do something. And I know what he wants to do. He wants to make our churches an integral part of the whole fellowship, working in covenant with our fellowship to make impact on the world. Secondly, I want to look at the inhibitors of revival. You say, what is an inhibitor? One who prohibits to prevent, to hinder, to impede, to obstruct, to restrain, to forestall. How many know there are inhibitors? There are people 
in every congregation that wants to put the brakes on revival. And I don't care if you've got the power brakes on tonight. We're going to drag you along. It's time to get in, get out, or get run over, one of the three. A, B, or C. Not all of the above. There's no D on this test. Get in, get out, or get run over because God wants to move. I told the church, we're going to have church. We're going to have revival here. We're going to see a move of God in this city. He said, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, that means if we'll repent, not the Congress, not the senators, not the president, if my people, how many here tonight are born again? God said, it's you if my people who are called by my name will repent. Charles Finney said, revival is a new beginning of obedience to God. We all know what God wants to do, or we're quickly discovering what he wants to do, but the problem tonight are the inhibitors of revival. It's very clear God's intentions. In our text tonight, he says in 2 Chronicles 7, 14, he wants to hear from heaven and heal our land. We've already got the answer. I already know what's in the mind of God for our nation and what we need in this backslidden country tonight is an old-fashioned Holy Ghost revival. I'm talking about a devil-chasing, sin-killing, tongue-talking revival that will change the moral climate of our cities. What is up, Sermon Podcast listeners? This is Pastor Adam from the Virginia Beach Potter's House. Wanted to say thank you again for listening to this podcast. We hope that you have been enjoying the new daily podcast format. We have been doing our best to post a daily sermon, uh, either from our church or from around the fellowship. We want to ask a couple of favors of you, if you don't mind. First of all, if you are listening to this, make sure that you are subscribed. There's a lot of people who are listening to these and navigating to them uh, every single day, uh, but it would be better for you and a whole lot better for us if you make sure that you are subscribed so that you get daily sermons de delivered directly to your phone or your computer. Uh, the next thing I want to ask you to do is make sure that you leave us a review. We want to ask you, if you're enjoying the daily podcast, fellowship sermons from around the world, please, please go and uh, give us a rating, give us a five stars. Uh, and if you enjoy this, we want to ask you to please share this. No doubt there's people in your church that would enjoy listening to a daily sermon from around the fellowship. The third big thing I want to ask you to do is I want to talk to the sound booth guy in your church, and I believe that there are some treasure trove sermons out there. We've built a platform that uh, I believe 
we could use for the kingdom. And no doubt that there are some of you, you know somebody who knows somebody who's got about 10,000 sermons in the sound booth that they've been sitting on. Or, or maybe you've got a sermon that you think uh, would be great to share on this sermon podcast. We want to hear from you. We want to we wanna get our hands on those, uh, on those sermons so that we can publish them and we can get them out to the rest of our fellowship. So those are my big three requests. Uh, we want to say thank you again for listening. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. Thanks a lot, guys. It's very clear that we're trying to have the results of revival without the revival. One writer said we're trying to have the effect without the cause. We're going to get rid of some inhibitors. Are you with me? There are folks who put the brakes on what God is doing, and I want to look at some of those greatest inhibitors of revival. Number one, rebellion. We are a rebellious generation. It's called spiritual SARS, Saints Acquired Rebellion Syndrome. I'm reading a few weeks ago, AP News, a man in Toronto, Canada, a health worker knowingly exposed several hundred people to the SARS disease at a church funeral. Listen to what the paper called him. The paper described this individual as belligerent. You know what that is? That is a politically correct word for rebel. Belligerent. I thought to myself when I read that article, I know that man. He comes to my church every Sunday morning. Rebels are a detriment to the whole body. Rebellion is a spirit that infects and inhibits revival. Pastor Mitchell said many years ago, rebellion kills fruitfulness. You ever wonder tonight why churches can't grow, why they have no lasting fruit? It's because they've got SARS. Rebels are not subject to authority. They clash with every authority of figure in their life. Rebellion is the sin of witchcraft. And the Bible says that a rebel is one who refuses to obey or to accept dictation. They're lawless. Paul said in the last days they'll be rebellious and disobedient to parents. I see kids telling their parents which way to go. My, if I did that to my dad, I would already be before the Lord. My dad wasn't a Christian until he was 39 years of age, but he followed the book of Proverbs. He laid the board of education to the seat of learning. He told me one time, I brought you into this world, and for sure I can take you out and make one just like you. Parents and kids living under the same roof like two enemies at truce. Back-talking their parents in public. Be in a grocery store, have them throw a fit, hold their breath, pass out on the floor while mom and dad's running around, amen, the husband running around like a little woman. Because Johnny's not behaving. Miho needs to wake up. Sad when you see... Men, very talented, very gifted, charismatic, neutralized by rebellion. It's very sad to see a man neutralized because of a rebellious spirit. There are men in the NBA, men playing for the Jazz that cannot be coached. 
They're useless. They're like a horse that can't take the bit. You ever seen those beautiful horses running off into the sunset, Arizona sunset? They got a big old long head, small body. They're Mustangs. You know what they are? They're useless. You can, they cannot take the bit. You know what a horse is good for that can't take the bit? The only thing that he's good for is Purina chicken chow. Rebellion kills fruitfulness. It emanates a spirit. There's a demonic presence that issues and flows from their life. Uh, at the root of rebellion is pride. This is a generation that says, you're not going to tell me what to do. Most of them don't even know what a father is anyway. No one's ever gotten up in their face and told them, you're not going to do that. My dad said, I'll make you brand new. And it wasn't West Side either. If I would have come home with a tattoo, he would have tattooed right on my rear end. I was more afraid of him than I was God. I came home one night stoned, walking up the stairway with my head down like that, climbing the stairs, and ran into his chest. You know what I forgot to do? I forgot to mow the lawn. 12 o'clock at night, he had the floodlights on. I'm mowing the lawn at midnight. I'll sober you up. In our generation, daddy is somebody that mama can handle. You can't tell what they are today, a he, she, or a shim. Boy, I feel good preaching in here. I feel the devil getting uptight. Aren't you glad you could come to church and be a thorn on the devil's side for a change instead of him and yours? Secondly, second great inhibitor is gossip. You know, one of the things that God says he specifically hates is sowing discord among brethren. Listen to what one preacher said, a tongue three inches can ruin a man six feet tall. Proverbs 26, 20, where no wood is, there the fire goeth out. So where there is no talebearer, the strife ceaseth. Can I tell you, gossip is a turnoff. It turns me off. I got folks, you know, that's their, the highlight of their day is talking about what's going on in the hood. Their whole world revolves around the neighborhood. The latest news. What a waste. There's a big world out there that needs to be reached. Had a lady come to me and say, Pastor, I need to lay my tongue on the altar. I said, there's not an altar big enough for yours. When I find one, I'll let you know. You know what gossip is? Gossip is sharing private information with those who are not a part of the problem or a part of the solution. Silence is an excellent remedy against slander. Gossip repels people. 
These individuals do irreparable damage to the kingdom of God. And let me tell you tonight, men can gossip almost as bad as women can. But it seems to be a natural inclination for women before you shout too loud. 1 Timothy 3.11, even so must their wives be grave and not slanderous. We need to ask God to put a guard over our mouth. There's a third inhibitor tonight, and that's the inhibitor of idolatry. There's two kinds of idolatry, secular and religious. Religious idolatry is what the Bible talks about. One of the first commandments, you shall have no other gods before me. God hates graven images. God is a jealous God. And he's not going to share his glory with an image made of stone or precious metals. There's also secular idolatry. Probably the most deadly form of idolatry is secular idolatry, which is self-love. How many know secular can be the love of money, your car, a person? It can be your family. I want to bring a little balance here tonight to James Dobson. I love my kids, but I want to tell you my kids are simply visitors in my home. I'm sticking with that woman of mine. My kids are passing through. I don't bow down every morning and pray to their picture. You read some of these books, you know, you'd be amazed what the Bible says. You ought to read the Bible sometimes. You'd be amazed how much light the Bible sheds on commentaries. Some of you get it later on the way home. I love my family. I love my kids. But my kids are visitors. They are not everything. Jesus is still everything. I said, Jesus is still everything. And I've got some family members tonight that just cut me loose when I got saved. I had them throw fits. We liked you better the way you used to be. A thief, a liar, a drunk. I had an uncle ask me, he called me, he said, how long are you going to do this Jesus thing? I said, forever, that ought to hold you for a while. When my wife reached 40, I didn't trade her in for 220s. It's amazing what keeps us out of church. We had family come over. We're whoopee. If mama don't want to go to church, tell mama to stay in the living room. And you're going to the house of God to pray that God will convict her to the bone. Oh, you may not serve God. We're going to pray to the place where you'll wish to God you had served him. You convict me. We have people in our city, effeminate. Had a guy call me on the phone. He said, I belong to the first church of hemp, the marijuana church. He said, would you baptize me in water? I said, yeah, I'll hold you under until the bubbles quit coming up. That's what I'll do. 
Then he, then he began to give me his spill about hemp. You know, God made the herbs of the earth, and he intended for us to have dominion over the herbs and to enjoy the herbs. I said, yeah, God made cow manure too, but he didn't intend for me to eat it. The potter's house is so dogmatic. Last time I was in this fair city, I pulled up to Burger King over here, and the guy rolled up the window. He said, can I help you? I said, nope, and keep your hands off my food and drove on through it. Sunday is not wash day. You don't stay home and wash your clothes on Sunday morning. Wash them on Saturday and come to the house of God. Jesus must be everything. God is jealous. And anything that puts out our passion for the things of God is an idol. Are you with me tonight? Idolatry is one of the greatest inhibitors of revival. Some of us, our jobs have become our idols. Working four jobs, trying to keep up with the Joneses. You're going to have to make up your mind what you're going to do. You're either going to serve God or serve your boss. They want you to be married to that business. I'm not married to your company, sir. I'll give you an eight-hour-day job. I'll work for you as a good Christian. You pay me for an eight-hour-day job, and I'll work eight to ten hours if I have to work that long. Amen. But I'm not married to this company. My priorities are right. I'm going to serve God. And I've got men and women in my church who've made up their mind, thank God for the Holy Ghost tonight. God laid hold of them and said, you know what? They came to me and said, Pastor, amen, my job had become an idol. I came to the place where I'm working 12, 14 hours a day. I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to find a job where I can work eight hours a day. I'm going to pray for a day job so I can be in the house of God during revival meetings. And I said, good on you. And God blesses their life. Because they put him first place. Well, this is good preaching. Getting quiet in here now. I want to close this evening because there's a contribution that we can make to remove the inhibitors. Listen to what he says here. Seek my face. Turn from your wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and will heal their land. Repentance. Number one is an acknowledgement of our sin. It means that we change our mind. What is real repentance? It means you go a 180-degree turn. You go the other direction. No compromise. Are you with me? Very common in America now to churches just filled with fornicators. Have them get mad at me and come up after service. Pastor, don't you know that we're married in the eyes of God? I said, you're not even married in the eyes of the state of Utah, sir. Don't give me that God stuff. God did nothing else for me. He did something about my morals. Are you with me? How many believe you can live clean in this generation? I know everybody else is doing it, but I'm not. Repentance means you come into agreement with God. It means to say the same thing that he's saying. 
This is what's missing in conversion, real repentance. You know why they don't repent today? Because they don't know who they've offended. And one of the reasons why is because we're preaching a faulty gospel. The gospel's not faulty, but it's the way we present it. Listen to what's being preached, especially in the last 100 years in America. Come down and receive Jesus. Never preach repentance. Get a, get a fire insurance policy. I don't believe in foxhole repentance, jailhouse repentance, or fire insurance. I didn't jump on the Jesus choo-choo when I got saved and then jump off. This is not a one-night stand with God. I intended not to play church. I was raised around religion. I said, God, I don't want to be like that. I want the real thing. When I met the holy God, when I saw him face-to-face, I came face-to-face with my own sin. And it dawned on me that God could just reach down and squeeze me like a zit. God, just give me what I deserve. If he gave you what you deserve, you'd be burning tonight. You ought to thank God he didn't show you justice but mercy. Only one of two words are going to come out of my mouth when I step through those gates and see Jesus face to face. It's either going to be grace or mercy. God took his hand off of my life tonight. I would make it back to the hotel. I know who I am, and I know you're wearing a tie and a suit, and you look real nice, and you put some of that juice on tonight. But I know what we are, and I need church, and I need preaching like it is. One of the things I like about your pastor is he tells it like it is. One of the things I like about our fellowship is our preachers preach it exactly like it is. I've had people come to me and say, after church, I don't like you. I don't like this church. The music's too loud. We don't do this in our church. I said, that's the reason why we're not in yours. We're in this one. We're going to keep on preaching. You know what they were mad about? They were mad about the altar call. That's what they were mad about. Song service was fine. Oh, what a lovely group of young people you have. Until the preacher gets up and faces them off and says, you're going to get right or you're going to get left. generation where they love the message sometimes but hate the messenger. No white man's going to tell me what to do. I come into church the other night, walked into the hallway, and they're all standing back there like a bunch of penguins back there. What's up with that? You're going to hurt yourself. All you got to do is walk up behind them, just kind of tap them. They'll fall on their face. But I thought to myself, you know what? I probably would have been a cholo too. I just didn't know what it was. I was was a hippie one time and a cowboy one time. I had one of those big belt buckles about the size of a trash can lid. You know what I'm talking about? I would have been a, a cholo, but I thought cholo was Mexican food. Give me two burritos and two cholos, you know. Probably would have bought me a hairnet. Oh, doesn't God have a sense of humor? He'll put black preachers over white congregations and white ones over Hispanic. Oh, doesn't God have a sense of humor? 
Secondly, humility. If my people humble themselves, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And thirdly, you're going to change and you're going to do what's right. That means if you're a rebel, you need to submit. If you're a gossip, put a guard over your mouth. If you're putting other things before God, pull down those idols and put Jesus first again. I know what God wants to do. I said, I know what God wants to do. I can feel it in my spirit tonight. Every time I preach on this prophetic word, when I start preaching on revival, I can feel God's pleasure because I know what he wants to do. Amen. I don't have any degrees behind my name. I don't know much, but I do have a Ph.D., praise him daily, a B.A. born again, and a B.H.G. baptized in the Holy Ghost. So where'd you get your ordination papers? John chapter 15, verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit. It's the calling that makes the preacher, not a sheepskin on the wall. Any old quack can put those on the wall. How many glad for Jesus tonight? We don't need more psychology. There's not a psychiatrist in the state of Arizona that would want to lay me down on his couch. I've heard things that he doesn't believe I've heard. I've seen things that he doesn't believe that I've seen. But I heard them and saw them just the same. Are you with me? My church, the only way to describe my church is a box of cereal, fruits, flakes, and nuts. And I'm the chief raisin. (laughs) Had a prophet come into my church. Don't you love those prophets? Find out later they're a nonprofit organization. <laughs> he said, Preacher, I'm a prophet. I'd like to talk to you after church. I said, That'd be fine. I told the ushers, Watch him. After church, he comes up on the platform. He said, I've got a word from God. I said, Spit it out. So I've been in this service all night long. And, Pastor, I want you to know you have people in this church that have problems. I said, Is that right? Is that right? Of course we have problems. Why do, you, why do you think we need the outpouring of the Holy Ghost? We need God to move, folks. We're a mess without Jesus. We're fouled up. I know what we are, and we desperately need a move of God. Listen, God wants to move in Holy Ghost revival. And tonight we're going to kick out the inhibitors. It's a spirit, can you say amen, that resists revival. And tonight we're going to kick the devil right through the goalpost of life. I want us to bow our heads together. Our heads are bowed, eyes are closed in the presence of God tonight. We thank you again for listening. Do you want to receive updates from our church in your inbox? Make sure to sign up at our website, vvph.org. If this message has been a blessing to you, would you consider supporting our ministry with a generous donation? please visit our website at vvph.org and scroll down to find the Give button at the bottom of the page. We would be so grateful for your support. Until next time, love God and love people.